there. Welcome back to Temporary Fandoms. Um, you have been listening to Chris talking you through the discography of Future of the Left. Uh, still with Nick and myself, our other Nick. Hello. Hello. Uh, Chris. Hello. And Cherie. Hello there. Um, also, obviously, we're going to be putting links to all of our guests' stuff in the doobly-doo below. Um, please go and check all those things out. But we're going to get cracking on Future of the Left. Um, so there was a band. That band broke up. There was another band. That band broke up. And those two groups sort of merged with the joining of, I'm going to get this wrong, Julia Ruzicka? Ruzicka? You're, jump- you're jumping ahead though you're jumping ahead that's later so at this point for this album you've got yeah <sighs> tut, tut, tut. Uh, for this album um future left was um jack and andy andrew falcus from uh, mccluskey and they were joined by two members of jar crew who are another welsh band another welsh post-hardcore band i would suppose you might say uh but one of them left like quite quickly so you were left with kelson who plays bass so it's two-thirds of mccluskey with Kelson on bass. Oh yeah, because I've got I've got notes for later saying, oh, Kelson leaves. <laughs> so that should be when <laughs> he, I mean, he does it he does at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um he does here on my notes. See, Kelson leaves. Um so yeah, there was some research. As I said in the last episode, to, to I found that getting drunk helped me enjoy this significantly more. So most of my research was done on the way back from the pub. Um, so if there are some wow. factual inaccuracies, um, yeah. Um, okay, so we've got, uh, is it Plague of Onces? Onces? How would, how would you pronounce that? Play, uh, we've got more bass kicking in. We've got synths. Um, there's some weird piano coming in on um, Real Men Hunting Packs. I mean, this is a different band, but it's the same band, Chris. I mean, what's different what's new i suppose it's a kind of extension of some of the earlier tracks i suppose on the difference between me and you is i'm not on fire and if that's the last time i'll have to say that um so it's got those earlier kind of big choruses <laughs> i suppose that's what's quite different with future to the left you've got much more noticeable big sing-alongs i would go along as a sing-along you would say much kind of heavier riffs so kind of like driving rather than that kind of punky grungy sound which was on um the mccluskey album so i would say that's it what you get is a much i use this word a lot recently we're talking about them it's like quite taut quite sing-along and i would say it's it's kind of weird saying this but a bit lighter as well there's a bit more space in it i think as well i think so mm. there's a bit it's not quite as pummeling but the riffs are massive which was what we all like so that's good um, when you say sing-along i think that's a key point i mean for me it's not so much sing-along in the classic you know, everybody just joins in a rousing chorus, but sing along in the classic, you're pogoing up and down and shouting, yeah. you know, mm. it's like Rage Against the Machines, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, sort of, it's that, that there are lines that you just, you do want to just shout out and repeat, particularly not necessarily just the funny or the sardonic ones, but also the ones, uh, there are some that come up in, in future albums, I'll, I'll save that one. Um, <laughs> Cherie, you were more aware, you knew Future of the Left significantly more than McCluskey. Um, w- did you come in later and work your way back? Were you aware of them from curses? Uh, I worked backwards, but I would say, actually, I probably knew 
McCluskey do Dallas more than Future of the Left. I knew of Future of the Left because a lot of bands were referencing them at the time of the kind of sounds that they wanted to make. And I also feel like one of the joyful things about this, and I'd say this as a compliment, is that I feel like it charts a bit of a progress um, that other bands were doing as well, where there was a bit more electronica coming into kind of heavy guitars. I was all over that. Uh, So it was really happy that there were kind of those eerie synths involved. Um, Some of it throughout the records takes me to like B-52s, bliss um Mm. but yeah so i hadn't listened to curses before um but i agree with chris that yeah it definitely felt kind of a more sharpened affair i guess because it's got those those chorus lines um it's got that humor still though and it's still got those raging guitars but i was just elated that there was now a synth involved as well um and i actually really the you and you mentioning real men hunting packs i thought it was really glammy I was into the glam, mm. the glam piano. Yeah, it was. It was, it was sort of. Oh, I, I was genuinely going. Oh, okay, that's da, 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 yeah, that, that's that's nice. Um, about the whole humor thing, and like we mentioned in the previous one, that um, uh, a bunch of us have also been listening to Half Man Half Biscuit at the time. The, the the album, the sorry, the song "Fuck the Countryside Alliance." I mean, if yeah. that was sung in a different way and put on a different album, it could easily be very similar to being a Half Man Half Biscuit track. Well, absolutely, um, yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, well, what's your... Nick Nick T, um, yeah. what's your stance on the Country Alliance? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I related to that, that song particularly as someone who uh, previously... In the last year, moved uh, moved from from London to uh, to a place in the in the middle of nowhere where the, the countryside alliance uh, rules rules all. Um, oh, really? And uh, so and yeah, so think so. You know, lines lines about uh, lines about Tories and Meadows is. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much my pretty pretty much the, the foundations of my surroundings, really. So that that was a uh, that particular track hit a bit hit a bit close to home. I think quite quite literally, in fact. Um, I've now got this image of like the movie Hot Fuzz and the neighborhood yeah. watch, and, and you living in that village. <laughs> it's not far off. There's less people than uh, than, the, than the than the village of Hot Fuzz, um, but, uh, but apart from that, it's very it's very close. Yeah. Um, how was this album received? I mean, there, there's a there's, there's a new band that contains people from a a, a previous, let's say, a cult band. Um, how was this album received by the music press? Was it all? Were they still looking for fancy shoes and nice hair, um, or had they had we moved on? I think from my cursory glance around, it was received pretty well. I think at quite high um, acclaim from people. Again, probably a mix between the excitement of seeing that you know someone like Falcus in particular. Like, and I, I'm aware of this when you talk about them that he kind of overshadows the whole band in some way. I know that there are particularly Jack Eggleston in this in Future the Left. I think the drumming. Adds a massive thing to it, but he does. You know, he's the one most people know. But anyway, I think that um, there was an excitement for them to be back, or him in particular to be back, and I think it was received pretty well. My understanding is this one in particular. Okay, okay. I mean, so I mean, it's less of a, a difficult start, I guess, for them. I mean, although obviously there's that pressure uh, of coming back with something new. Nick, old Nick, our Nick, Temporary <laughs> Fandoms, Nick. Uh, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> 
Yes. Um, how about this one for you? I mean, we've got like, like yeah, uh, Shirley I, I, said, I mean, synth, kind of piano. I was particularly thinking about what the difference is between this and McCluskey. And, and essentially, it's just a sort of rebranding because if, if McCluskey's next album had been this, you wouldn't have thought, even though there are changes, you wouldn't have thought, well, that's a massive reinvention. You know, it's, it's a, essentially a continuation of where they were with some keys, maybe, um, which, which is an interesting, you know, uh, enjoyable extra layer. I found with Future Left, though, I, I kind of warm to them more with each album. I think they just get better and better. There were elements with this that I didn't connect with quite so quickly. And interestingly, I went back to when we listened to them on Facebook in 2018. And actually, I was quite down on this album. I don't know if it was that I was kind of, really, again, expectations, what I was expecting about it, but I was complaining about the, you know, I mean, you've, you've invoked Rage Against the Machine. I'm not, I'm not into that at all. <laughs> so, you know, you talk about the big sing-alongs. When, when I hear the line, uh, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, my mind automatically shouts back, fuck you, you'll go to bed without any tea. Um, that's why you call me <laughs> old Nick, right? Um, <laughs> Oh, can we can we get song can we get that song to Christmas number one? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like it, but the best is still to come. The future of the left, I think. Okay, well, let's move on a little bit to the next one. Travels with myself and another. Um, I saw Future of the Left. I realised in two thousand and nine at all tomorrow's parties, and I struggled ah. to remember it because number one, I was drunk for most of the weekend. Uh, number two, if, if anybody's ever been to All Tomorrow's Parties and it's a big Butlins, an old holiday camp in Minehead, and the main stage is essentially in the foyer and there's a Burger King next to it. And so you can sit at Burger King watching a band. And this was about six o'clock in the afternoon and I went to see Future of the Left. And then I, while I was watching Future of the Left, I had a double cheeseburger with bacon. And then I went off to watch Spiritualize later on. I mean, as an experience, I can't quite remember them. Um, but I you remember, remember the cheeseburger. Watching, I remember the cheeseburger and I watched all of them. I didn't go off and play crazy golf. I didn't go off to it. I remember watching all of them. <laughs> um, but there were so many bands that weekend that it's, it's always hard to come away with, with uh, uh, one you've discovered, so to speak. You just sort of go to have a good time. Um, I am going to say that Arming Eritrea, while being a great opening track, the lyrics uh, well, rhyming Eritrea with pay her um, is, is, is shocking, shockingly lazy lyricism. And it really it jarred to me. <laughs> I quite like that. I don't that. know. It, 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 it just seemed a bit weak. Um, also, there were some times that some of the tracks uh, drifted in, not vocally, but when the guitar sort of kicked in. Kill, I, I heard the killers in there. And Ooh. I know I'm probably the only wow. one, but there was a sort of a rising sort of, <laughs> I'm not getting out, I'm at my own house, Chris. And um, there was a sort of rising sound, a sort of anthemic. I meant there was sort of an anthemic sort of sort of sound. Um and land of my uh former reminded me of um Carter Unstoppable Sex Machine. There was a sort of synth guitar thing going in at another beginning. I was, oh, oh, I quite like this. Um this was for me a step up from the previous album. Um, and it was one of the, the first times I, I really enjoyed something of going back and McCluskey and moving into this. I, I put on in the afternoon. I was like, oh, this is, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. This is great. I did some cooking, played a few tracks a few more times. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good for me. Um, we talked a bit on the last pod about the difficult second album or difficult third album. This is that second album. Um, what do you think? Um, 
Nick T, I mean, do you think this reeks of a second album or is it a band sort of ploughing forward? I think this is a band really finding their finding their voice and their style, I think. I think it's such a strong record. I mean, I have to say this is actually the this is pretty much the one this is the this is the future left album that I've always been most familiar with. Um and I do have very strong memories of it of it coming out and I think the the hope that house built in my mind was actually a sort of a proper kind of li- little kind of um, cult indie hit. But I think that's probably just because it was like heavily played on my uh, student radio station in Leeds. So in that sort of, in, in, in that sort of little indie bubble that we had, it was, it was certainly a, a it was certainly a big deal. Um, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's really, it's just really, really strong and confident, uh, and um, uh, and yeah, I just think this is when they really came into it. They really came into their own, like as a as a band, and really kind of differentiating themselves from the from the McCluskey days properly. Um, and this is a kind of interesting time for that sort of for for indie music as well. In two thousand and nine, when you had when you had. Uh, bands like uh, Dirty Projectors coming out with Bitter Orca and and Animal Collective releasing um, uh, Merryweather Pavilion and things like that. So it was a big it was a big year for these uh, for for these kind of previously kind of cult like kind of cool indie bands kind of coming through with their sort of big uh, statement albums. Uh, and I think this really I think this really fits into that kind of to that context as well. I think. Yeah, I think there was. I mean, talking about some of those bands, there wasn't. There was another again that we talked about in, in, in the previous one with the, a wave from America of say the White Stripes and the Strokes. There was another wave of American bands going into the, their second albums. Uh, Wolf Parade, uh, lots of mm. sort of of those types of bands. Even Arcade Fire were were rising and on the rise at this point. So again, having this type of post hardcore band evolving on the other side. There's probably a bit of a class for the sort of those music journalists' attention a little bit, I guess. Yeah, um, it is definitely a statement album. Um, Cherie, um, where does this album sit with you? I mean, it's a trite question. I ask it way too much, but in terms of the last one was, yeah, we're, we're back. We're trying to differentiate ourselves, and now we've got this continuation yet evolution. I guess. Mm, I definitely agree with that kind of charting the progress and thinking about what's happening in the States, but also what's happening here. I think for a band that's like rooted in punk and that, and a lot of their fans will have come from that and kind of trusted Falcus to guide them into this next phase. And um, for me, I just think that is perfect because there was a great review about this record from the BBC saying that um, the hope that house built had that kind of um, join our hopeless cause, the sort of chorus that you want Green Day to have if they weren't taking themselves so seriously. And <laughs> yeah, I totally yeah. felt that because I didn't want American Idiot at that point. I wanted like Nimrod from the days gone. Mm. And actually Future mm. of the Left, I guess, did that in a, in a less sort of, even though we have said the word anthem, I wouldn't say it was like, you know, they weren't heading. Well, if we think about Chris's original point about Biffy Clyro and where they've gone, like there's no jaggy mm. snake anymore, is there? There's just stadiums galore. Um, so I was really pleased to hear this, hear this progression. Yeah, going into that kind of more um, thoughtful songwriting, but still doing all the stuff that we love from McCluskey as well. Like I loved um, Stand By Your Manatee. 
I just think mm. he's just such a good songwriter to to shame someone for plastic forks yeah. in that yeah. era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On like socioeconomic, you know, issues of the masses way before we're still contemplating that now, you know, it's crazy. Mm. It's so, so good. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I got lost. I mean, after a while, the, the lyrical references, they started to wash over me because when you're listening yeah. to an el- a new album every day, you don't really have time to go back and go, Oh yeah, that one and that one and that one. I imagine if you've been listening to the, to, to this album for, oh, for years and the, the discography for years, they they stand out a little bit more, but yeah, occasionally you get that one that jumps out. And you go, oh oh, oh I like that one. No, oh, that's cle- aha, that's clever. And I will probably go back and revisit some of them, uh, but some of those nuggets do to sort of disappear. Great song titles. I mean, I, I mean, I love a pun, and this is pun heavy. You know, this is this is this is awesome on that front. Um, Nick, not old yes. Nick. Oh <laughs> no, old Nick. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? A hot take? Um, no, no. I, hot I, take, so, hot yeah, take. As I say, they, they, they get better as they go along. I really like this one. Um, I was thinking you talked about um, Arming Eritrea already and the, the – is it, it's not that one. It's the Hope the House Built that has the Come Join Our Lost Cause, but I guess it's the same mm. issue. That yeah. There's a sort of habit of um, invoking real-world issues, in, but in a kind of cryptic way, so you're never quite sure what the song's about or what he's saying about the thing. But even the name of the band, Future of the Left, they sound like a sort of po-faced math rock band. But anything but that. And so, so something very sardonic about the way he's playing with that in, in the choice of um, t- titles and things. So even that, just, this is just me going down rabbit holes on Wikipedia, but I, no- I noticed that the, uh, the title of this album is from a book by Martha Gellhorn, who was one of uh, Ernest Hemingway's wives, I believe. <laughs> I, I believe, I, as in I read on Wikipedia. Um, but, you know, it's... <laughs> it's just interesting that point you make about how him like being able to take shots at things like on Laps Catholics, which starts with that joke about, you know, Tim Robbins and Shawshank and Jacob's Ladder, and then goes into that bit about Fox News and, and all that kind of thing. And you think that's seamless being able to like catch you off guard. And I do, yeah, I've never really thought about that, how many shots there are at things and pop without it being earnest or anything. It's yeah. just really, really clever the way he manages to do it, actually. Yeah. I mean, just occasionally I'd kind of like, because I, I go, I've, I've, you know, in the process of doing this, I've gone off and thought, well, what's this one about then? And I go and read the lyrics. And you're like, well, I'm none the wiser. So it's all full of, it's full of all these clever lines. But yeah. Christ knows what he's on about after time. I think he did seem to get <laughs> a, a bit more abstract as the albums progressed. Yeah. Um, well, either, whether it's conceptually or whether it's metaphorically, there was definitely more abstract stuff coming in chris i think the strangest thing about this period for this album for me was i think it was either this album or the tail end of the tour for the last album um a friend of ours it transpired was friends with falcus so which came as a surprise and a shock to me but anyway they managed to get us tickets to see future left at camden crawl and it transpired that it was a camden crawl under 18 event and I was, not, I was not under 18. It's, it's one issue for this. Anyway, we stood quietly at the side, but they were going through this. I'm sure they were going through a period this was around and they were kind of going upwards, you know, they were getting bigger. And I think there was approximately five people there. That was it at this gig in, um, and it was amazing, but it was just this weird thing of trying to, that kind of challenge that you have, that you're going up in the world with one audience and then trying to do this other sort of circuit, if you will. And it just didn't quite work for them. But I think, it must have been around the time of this album. Anyway, yeah, it was amazing to see them at that point in such a small venue. Kelson was definitely still there, so it was around this time. But yeah, it was a very surreal experience with like five people, and they were I just yeah. Really? 
It's a very odd and was time. That all, was that all a bunch of over eighteen year olds pretending they were under eighteen? Uh, yeah, I had like I had like a like a really like big jacket on, like a really cool jacket. I just tended that you know I was just pulling off a younger age range. That was it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of pulled your jeans down a little bit, pulled yeah. your, showed your boxes up. I had like a really oversized Alessi jumper. I think that's what you do now if you're younger. That's what I understand. So yeah, no, I that's what I understand. That's me. I'm, I'm, they call me old Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well. Oh, Nick. Um, we're going to move on, if that's okay, to, uh, to, to, tw- to, to 2012. Oh, somebody leaves a band. Somebody leaves a band. My yeah. notes say somebody leaves a band. Um, we were talking about the references, etc. And I don't know whether it's because I'd been listening to a lot of it all back to back, but the plot against common sense, I found the most difficult to process sometimes. Um, it seemed that sometimes the the targets his targets got a bit i occasionally a bit lazy or just didn't seem to make sense i i half expected there to be a song when him going ah she's taking so long she's on the cash point i want to go to the shops like just getting angry with with (laughs) with just stuff like um fuck off robocop is i mean fine i mean yeah i mean please tell me it's it's more than just hating the movie robocop um but i know i really struggled (laughs) with this one and i don't know why i mean Later on, I sort of came back into it, and maybe I need to revisit this album. But for me, the next one, the plot against common sense, was a bit of a lull. Uh, Chris, no, no one ever agrees with me. Are you going to agree with me? <laughs> I am going to agree with you. I yes! think it's the it's stop the podcast. Stop the, the podcast. We're done. <laughs> uh, I think it's the um, challenging third album. I would say because, and it is worth saying, you know, there's a lot of change at that time as well. So Kelson has left now. And um, they had an intermediary bassist, but then they got Julia Rizika, which I think is how you pronounce it. Nick might know better than me. Earlier on, you sounded quite confident. Uh, but Julia Rizika joined, who had been in Million Dead. And for a short, for the next two albums, there'd be a four piece as well. So they had um, Jimmy Watkins. Um, so they'd had touring guitarists, but at this point, they had an actual fourth member. But yes, I would agree. And I that point you make about the targets, I think was in the Pitchfork review as well, that it, some of them just feel a bit like, like everyone likes a joke about Russell Brand, right? That's hilarious. But it's a bit like, well, it is cleverer than this. And I think it's quite, I think the album's overly long as well. I think it's a bit, it's very flabby near the end, actually. I think the first half is amazing, but it does, it does tail near the end. So I would agree with you, Ewan. I know you're surprised to hear that, but I would agree <laughs> with you on this one. <laughs> Um, but I think you made a really good point there about flabbiness. I mean, for when, when a band in this type of music, particularly a band or, or, or uh, artist who uh, became beloved for churning out two, three-minute driving tracks and barreling towards a destination, a baggy album is can be quite hard to forgive. You know, yeah. it's sort of that's not what you want from this. You don't want a a, a triple uh, vinyl exploration of this with six minute songs and three minutes. You don't want can. Some people want can Chris, so, Nick, some people really like can and that's fine. But if you're really into post hardcore two and a half minute tracks, you don't want Tago Mago side two. <laughs> no. And I think going back to your, and your point about the uh, target, sorry, because I really like the song, um, Sorry Dad, I Was Late for the Riots. It's a really great song. But again, you, you, when you pay too close attention, you start thinking, oh, you know, there's a few of those lyrics could go. It's not quite as funny as it could be. But the overall song is really good. But it has, again, this kind of almost, yeah, just cheap shop. I can't think of another, you know, this kind of like, oh, we're going to take the mick out of someone who's middle class and goes to a public protest. 
the Slipknot lyric is really funny, uh, but other than, I think it doesn't quite work that, um, overall. Um, Cherie, um, you, you talked about how um, uh, you used to be, was it gossip? Gossip rock? Yes, the phrase? that's um, right. Who, who, what, 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 what were you, give me, you've got any examples of your shots uh, at, at, at the world? They weren't as witty as these ones. I wasn't reimagining Billy Corgan as Voldemort, which I loved as a Harry Potter nerd. Um, what were they? Uh, lots of, the, we once played a battle of the bands and um, <laughs> the other band that we were playing against had all their girlfriends in the dressing room. So we wrote a song called Queens of the Scene um, and the chorus said, like, we're the queens of mean. Um, we said something about <laughs> straddling and straightening their hair because they were just... Well, Please tell me you did hair. that song in the Battle of the Band I against think we might them, have, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that was our sort of our style. But, um, yeah, I do agree that that's interesting hearing everyone else talk about it because I thought I had snatches of things that I really liked in the record and I wrote lots of the lyrics down. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. But I think overall, like, I'm, I'm giddy to talk about the next record because I really loved it. Um I thought there were some, yeah, really interesting things. Like I felt some of the Casio keys reminded me of Biz and I love and miss Biz. So I was happy about that. Um, there was some vocoder, which I wasn't expecting in the guide to men. Um, yeah. The Billy Corgan line. Um, is it Commandu? That It's almost like a pre Wellerman sea shanty or something going on there. <laughs> There's just a lot going on. I think as well, it's worth saying, I think that Commandu this is the the terror of Spotify. I think the last three songs on Spotify aren't the original album, so there is this. Okay. They sound massively different. Yeah, this, it's off, it's actually an EP called uh, At Magnetic West for the uh, for the heads. So it's like they re- they did release it around the time, but that those last three do sound make it even longer and maybe unfair, so maybe unfairly long again. Previous that they've tagged on, or yeah, it's around that time. I don't know when it was recorded, but it was like a seven inch. I put it somewhere to seven yeah. inch. Seven inch. Seven yeah. inch. The, uh, that and I can't remember, but the last three anyway. Um, were they at the stage yet? This could I could be jumping ahead now. But were they at the stage yet of getting of ask? They sort of crowdfunded a bunch of albums. Was it not, the next? Not the, not this one. I think this one's on. Um, if I remember rightly, it's on Extra Mile. I think I think it was an Extra Mile, the same as um, in fact, Million Dead were as well. I think actually, but I think it's on Extra Mile. Also, am okay. I right um, in thinking mm-hmm. that this won the Welsh Music Prize? Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? I had that written down um, for this record. Wait, it beats Stereophonics. It <laughs> for 2012, but it seems mad. <laughs> mm. ever, since, ever since we mentioned Stereophonics on the last one, my brain has been going through what other Welsh bands there are. And, Super Fairy um, Animals. Yeah, Super, Super Fairy Animals, yeah. Gorky's. Manix. Manix. Gorky's. Oh, Gorky's. gosh. It's, it's Tom Jones. Oh, Gorky's, the Gothic Monkey. Um, Nick, Nick T., um, Okay, well, three of us have some issues or some reservations about this album. Um, is this where is this where Temporary Fandoms does its bit where somebody goes, "This is my favorite album," or are we a united front? <laughs> uh, we are we we are a united front. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm sorry, I don't really have much more to add to to the dis the discourse on on this particular album. I I think um, yeah, uh, just you know, good luck um, following up travels with myself basically <laughs> with something like this. So. It's, I mean, it's, I think it's worth noting that this is the album that uh, that caused, yeah, the, the 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 slightly infamous Pitchfork review, which uh, which Falco wrote a uh, a full yeah. a full repost over, uh, and um, uh, I don't know if we want to get too deep into that, but how do we feel about um, about musicians 
um, kind of um, kind of rang out against uh, against the critic. I'd be, I'd be interested in uh, in Cherie's opinion on this actually, in particular. I just read a really good article about this actually on the Guardian um, by another writer, mm. and it was it was quite pop focused, but obviously it talks about Lana Del Rey and Lizzo. Um, yeah. I hadn't known about that one, and she deleted the tweet as well, which again just brings in yeah, that was bad. the level, yeah. doesn't it, of just saying something yeah. and then censoring your own voice. Um, really bizarre. But yeah, mm. I did read that actually, Nick. I saw the same thing, and um, he really goes to town. I think what was the line mm. about? Um, I'm a bat shitting in a pitchfork cave or something yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's a bit like it was a funny it was a funny piece and there was there's there's some bits of it that are a kind of fair where he basically you know he says that he picks up he picks he picks some issues with the fact that the the reviewer seemed to form an opinion based on a, a, a complete misinterpretation of, of some of the songs and and i can mm. understand how uh, that might you know that might be a bit that might be a bit annoying, but still think ultimately it is a bit unbecoming to kind of. I think there's different ways to respond to that. There's different ways to respond as well. I mean, if, if people remember when um, uh, Scroobius Pip and Dan Lassac's first album came out, Pitchfork gave it a zero point two, and it was it was the most scathing review you could ever see on Pitchfork. Sort of basically, Pitchfork heard them say, uh, "Talk about how they're." Of different change trying to change hip hop, and they reviewed it as a hip hop album. Got it a zero point two. About a month later, Scroobius Pip and Dan Lassac played a gig just down the road. It was, it was already scheduled just down the road from the Pittsburgh Studios, and they plastered. They didn't say anything, but they plastered the walls of the the, the venue with the review, like in big <laughs> letters everywhere. And then they had their gig, and then they went home. I think that was a great way to respond to. Yeah. If people yeah, are listening, yeah. go and check it out. It's the it's scathing. Zero point two. I don't think I've ever seen. Worse. I think at that point because the just other don't review the other famous yeah because the other famous one isn't it is the NYC Ghost and Flowers the Sonic Youth review where they gave it zero. I think they gave it mm. which is outrageous because in my opinion that's like top three Sonic Youth anyway. But they I think he that person ended up apologising later on and basically saying oh I was just having a go like basically. It was a way to get my name out there. Do you know what I mean? So again, it's a different thing to like. Well, that's, I may have paraphrased it slightly wrong, but like you, you know, you're early on, you're trying to do something. But um, I'm interested in what you say there because I've not read that return from it. But there were some of the song types, some of the song interpretations. I think it's "Polymers of Forever" in particular. He says is about like breast implants or something, and I think I'd never even heard that for a second. So anyway, that's interesting. He wrote back about that. I've never actually seen that. So. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth yeah, it's worth worth reading. Was it the was it the Pitchfork, was it the review of the first Jet album, which, where they just put a, a, an image of a monkey pissing or something? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and just, uh, just this is getting very right. spinal. This is getting really spinal tap. You know, shit sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so was yes. was this the album that leaked on the internet? No, that's travels with myself. Okay. Yeah. That's got a good the, the blog that goes with his retort. Well, that's that's, that's why I initially well. thought we were talking about yeah, because it was quite famous. His response to that has been repeated widely. I think just okay. overall, this album, like, there's a couple of songs on it that could really have fitted on Travels with Myself, like Goals in Slow Motion and um, I'm the Least of Your Problems as well. But overall, I think there's too much going on. Basically, that's the problem, and it's all just a bit like which can 
be fine. But yeah, it's just a bit all over the place. Well, this is probably a good time to move on. Um, we're going to, oh, only not too far, to, to, to 2013 with an album with a really good album cover, to be honest. We've talked about album art in previous yeah. episodes. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a good one. Uh, How to Stop Your Brain in an Accident. Um, after I felt I was losing a bit of momentum in the last one, I perked up a lot during this one. Um, I thought this was a massively, massive true to form, um, a return to form. Um, this was when they were self-releasing, right? This was when they they, yeah. they got free. They were no longer part of the record label. Yeah, they crowd they um, crowdfunded it. Yeah, what was what? It wasn't on like um. It was what was the platform? It was um, uh, pledge fund pledge, pledge music. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was yeah pledge yeah pledge music. Um, I think it's great. Um, I think it just it bounded along really really nice. It was interesting. It was um uh, there was dirty riffs in there. There was screeching. Um, things to say to a friendly policeman is brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And even if you don't listen to the song, the very title "Johnny Barrel Afterlife." Um, oh, it's a great song. Listen to the song. <laughs> yeah, it song. just tells you everything. Yeah, it's a really about... good song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Sheree, you said you couldn't wait to talk about this album. I was absolutely in my so. element for this album. Loved it. I wrote so many names of things that I love. Mainly, the Poly Octave pedal was involved in this album, and I'm such a fan. So, mm-hmm. not only as you've got your Hammond synthesizer, you've also got like the pog going on in the background. All that layering was very, very at home. Um, I loved singing of the bone sores. I thought that was hilarious. I, the, again, I've said this repeatedly about him, but calling out FOMO like 10 years before that's become the lexicon that everybody talks about now. Um, it had queen bass lines, had kind of cutting quips about consumerism and the Kardashians. Um, you and you mentioned uh, the Young Knives earlier for McCluskey. And I had a similar thing, but it was killer and I couldn't place it forever until moments ago, I realized it's the Victorian uh, English Gentlemen's Club, who I was such a fan of. And they're mm. also a Cardiff band. So maybe there's something in that. Um, they were around mm-hmm. sort of the 2004 to 2014. So similar crossover. But yeah, the delivery of his lines. I really love that. It goes into like proper art punk for me. Um, yeah. big And yeah, the Johnny Borrell track. It's so theatrical. Yeah. The, the Just a Boy, mm-hmm. Just a Boy harmonies. Great, great, great. And it um, mentions Bobby I, Zamora, the footballer, which is also a great reference. <laughs> that is a great reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, art. We haven't heard the word. We haven't used the word sort of art before today. And in terms of like art pop or art punk, and there is definitely something here about that. I mean, we've talked about post hardcore. We've used the word indie. We've used the word alternative. But the art moniker is something we haven't really touched upon. Um, is it because usually when you think of art pop or art rock or art punk, there are nice hats and fancy shoes um or is it or, or is it just because there's so much going on that it's it's hard to sort of pin down who they are i mean um nick t i mean how would you genreize it's not a word but fuck <laughs> it i'm making it up how would you genreize uh future of the left i mean it's getting quite difficult at this point i mean there, there's some obvious bits and some not obvious bits right it is, yeah, it is very difficult, yeah, because I think especially by, especially by, by the time we get to this record, we're really, they're, they're starting to really master the kind of, uh, 
the, the pop sensibility that 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 goes so well with the re- with the really heavy riffs. So, um, yeah. So I think the ref- the reference points are kind of all over the place, really. By the time you get to this record, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, like Chris. Oh, sorry, Nick. Old Nick. <laughs> no, I was just going to say. I mean, I think this. I mean, this is my favorite Future of the Left album. Um, but I think this is the point where they, in a way, and, and it's it's always been the case to some extent, but they've just really totally become uh, a vehicle for Andrew Falkus at this point, because the whole mm. album is, is is like trying on all these different voices on all the tracks. He's like he's whispering some of the tracks. He's doing some of them in like received yeah. pronunciation English. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just so it's almost. I mean, you, you you mentioned art. It's like yeah, it's almost theatrical. Like he's doing he's doing stits, like mm. sketches and things. Definitely, right. yeah. Um, which actually on paper sounds awful, but it's but it's great. And it's that thing that all, the album's always fizzing with ideas. Here he just totally lets loose, um, just trying different things on every track, and again, often yeah. several different things within a track. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so there's just so much in there in this record. I think it's really interesting as well. We, we, you know, we were talking about how some of the the targets on uh, plot against common sense were, were were a bit obvious, and then and 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 as such, it, it feels lyrically like like a surprisingly weak album in 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 places um, compared to when when we consider what we can really expect of of Falco by this point. But by the time you get to this album, you know, even something like how to spot a record company. I mean, that is such an obvious target, um, but. He's he manages on this record. He manages to do it in he manages to do it in a way that does kind of come back to the the sort of the 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 really fun and 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 acerbic tone that we've come to expect of of him through throughout his uh, McCluskey days and and Future of the Left days as well. So it's it's interesting how the the targets don't necessarily get more subtle by the time we get to this record, but there's definitely a a, a sharper lyrical focus. I think. I think the other interesting thing about that song, um, going back to, um, I think I mentioned Ruben when we were talking about McCluskey, is that they're a similar, again, they're like Ruben in the sense they get to a certain level and then you kind of plateau, but everyone thinks you should be the biggest band in the world. And they similar do another song where they take shots at the rec- at record companies. It's um, Return of the Jedi. But again, they kind of pull it off. Again, a similar way, because if you've got a kind of different take on it rather than just it's all shit, you know, it's all rubbish, a very particular viewpoint. I think both, that song just works because you can empathize as a fan. You can see that mm. you can't understand why is it not happening? It's not just someone going, Oh, it's all men in suits or whatever. It's like a genuine frustration that you are feeling as a fan as well. I think that's another reason why it works I as think, well. Yeah. And also yeah. I guess because this album was crowdfunded by the fans. So there's yeah. a sense of authenticity yeah. there because mm-hmm. they don't have a record label. So it would be completely different if this was coming from a band on like, you know, a reputable indie um so that yeah mm. i love that um there was that there is slightly a thing and we touched upon it before when i was talking about how when bands get to their later period and their life has changed and they can't necessarily sing about the stuff that they they grew up with or have the same targets because their life is different i mean at this point their life wasn't really that much different right i mean they still hadn't made it they had loyal fans and while people like I know Jeffrey Lewis, Arctic Monkeys have a song about a, a record label and a, an agent, <laughs> but then by yeah. by by album four, they're singing weird stuff and they've they they can't relate to anything anymore. Um, at this point, it does feel that like he's still angry, but relating to things, he's still angry with 
um, things in the world, but maturing in his songwriting a bit. And unlike, say, the last album, learning where to direct his gaze rather than just everybody. <laughs> I think as well that um, another song I do really think is worth mentioning, you say about the angry thing, um, is French Lessons as well. Like, again, it's a song that's uncharacteristically... Um, What's the word? Again, not tender is the right word. It's got it takes the foot off the pedal. The lyrics are hilarious. I think about the idiot on a um, unicycle, whatever it is. But again, it's just got a slightly more, um, yeah, just, I don't know. There's something about that song that really stands out on the album because it doesn't jar as a slower, quieter song. It just works. And I do think there is something about them refining what they were doing, which, whereas plot was very much like try everything. Now it's like, well, we'll take the bits that do work. And we'll try and really get those going. And it's still quite all, there's a lot going on still stylistically, but they just work a lot more, I think is my feeling on this one. And also musically, I mean, the bass, I mean, I think Future of the Left, as opposed to say McCluskey, there's definitely more of a good bass sound. And I I love a dirty bass, good growling, menacing, pummeling, dirty bass. Ah, it's great. It really is. It's it's such a good sound. Um, When we get to the next album as well, I think, that's when the bass shines because of the various other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, let's oh, do yeah. that. Um, the, the piece and truce are future in the left 2016. Um, they're back to being as a smaller band. Jimmy's gone. He walked out left. Was it acrimonious? Was it just a, a split? Was there a broken stolen TV? Uh, I don't actually know much about it, but what's interesting is, so he's quite, um, he does a lot on Twitter now, like he's involved in like a, a running group and he does a lot about men's mental health and stuff now. And he talks a lot about how the last 10 years he, uh, you know, drank a lot, partied a lot. I mean, he looked very different. So I don't know if, but that's much, this late leaving is like 2015-ish. So it's much more higher than that. But I don't I think it's ever been said, but he's he's talked about that being a quite a difficult period, I think, in terms of like his own, what happens when you're in a band and you're touring and all that kind of thing. But yes, he leaves and they're, they have a touring guitarist sometimes. I think at some point, um, someone from Art Brute plays guitar for them live. So oh, yeah. Sometimes. Is it Jasper? Yeah, is it Ian think... Catskill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it called, is that someone? Someone Catskill? Yeah. Um, so they do have him live sometimes, but generally as a whole, they're a three-piece again. Yeah. Um, there is an interesting thing that we've touched upon several times, band members leaving, and yet... With some bands, you go through their history and when people have left, and that story is out there. They have they have fallen out, they have talked about it. Whereas there's several people who have left um either in McCluskey or Future of the Left, and you they're going, Well, we know a bit of the story, we think. But it's not like anybody ever came out and went, That fucker did this. And here's 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 the details. Now it's it's quite nice that it's it hasn't all spilled out into the media, I guess. Um I think this album was brilliant. Um, and I think it's because there's less of them. And so that bass really comes to the forefront. It's, it's nice and tight. Um, I wrote tight as fuck a few times. Um, I also <laughs> want to start shouting, um, what was it? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, there's some really good lo-fi stuff. I want to start, start, start shouting army surplus um <laughs> yeah. and insulting people uh over and over and over again um i am uh, i mean brilliant um i'll listen to this one again i mean which is a, which got the un seal of approval um nick t um 
Have they been building up and up and up and up and up? Is this a step up from how to stop your brain? Um, I mean, where is it for you? Um, it's tricky to, to say whether, whether or not it's an absolute step up, but not to say that I didn't love it. I really, I really love it. Um, but I, I think it's, I think by the time, by the time I got around to listening to this album, it kind of, for me, it just seemed to, it, it seemed to sit in a, in a place where I was, I was at this point so used to the, the future of the left's just high quality that it just seemed like, oh yeah, this makes sense. This, this <laughs> album's great. Um, like, yeah, disappointingly so I, I, I good. Think, um, <laughs> I think for me, it's on a. I think for me, it's on a par with uh, with um, with how to stop your brain. I think, um, but um, yeah. but yeah, but I think it's inter- it, There's some really, really interesting stuff on there, and I think actually, in a way, it's it's. But you mentioned the you mentioned the kind of the lo-fi stuff. To me, there's almost moments of this that kind of. When when I think about tracks like Miner's Gruel and stuff, there's a sense there's a sensibility to to tracks like that that almost make this album the kind of the closest link between the Future of the Left days and the McCluskey days. I don't know if that's yeah. something that anyone else kind of picked up on or, or felt. I would agree with that. I think it's definitely got a similar tone to their final McCluskey album. Yeah, and I think there's mm. that kind of it feels a bit. Um, I'm going to use another kind of lazy term, but a bit darker and a bit kind of more. Because uh, the last two albums to me feel quite bright and quite big. Again, with this one, it just feels like you've kind of gone into a small room and it's just like the bass is turned up and it's hot. And it just feels, I think I would agree, I think yeah. it's the most similar in tone to later McCluskey. Yeah, definitely. So is that an arc? Is, is, is that accidental, do you think? I mean, is there, is there a natural arc to go from the raw and then evolving as a band? I mean, is he going to form another band and do the same thing and the last album will. will be symmetrical or is it is it a natural is it a natural progression is what i'm saying to go from raw and acerbic to evolving into something else and then coming back again because both times there seems that the middle period of mccluskey and the middle period of future of the left they expanded into something and then sort of contracted into a different version of what they originally were at you know they're close their endings are closer to their beginnings than the middle bit that sounds like a no. album title from Future of the Left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all planned out from the beginning. That's it. They knew it was coming. Yeah, basically. I just think what's interesting about the McCluskey point, um, because we haven't actually mentioned this through Future Left, is that they eventually started playing McCluskey songs again. So it's interesting. Oh, really? Like something. Yeah, so it must have been the first time I saw Future Left play McCluskey songs. must have been about 2011. So they, they kind of put off doing it for a while, but they have considerably done it for now. So again, it's like the songs start to fit in a bit more and there's a bit more of a synergy between it. But I do, it's interesting to kind of make those parallels because obviously since this album, there hasn't been another Future Left album. There's been lots of McCluskey gigs, that kind of thing as well. So again, there's something about this period, isn't there, of kind of going, we've got this sound and you've maybe come to terms with the legacy of um, of McCluskey. I think it was actually 2014, actually, that they did the first McCluskey reunion shows. But there's something going on there that seems to be a synergy. And when you say reunion shows, because I don't know any, like the original lineup, Acrimony gone, all back together. No. So the early um, McCluskey reunion shows, they started with, I think it was Julia and someone from a band called the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. I, I don't know much about other than the name. That and sounds seeing like them. you just put some words, pull some words out of a hat and yeah, put them together. I mean, exactly. it's great. Yeah, it's like but... random band name generator. But they played some gigs um, 
And I went to one in 2014, which were like fundraisers almost. They did one in Newport, one in Cardiff. They did one at the Buffalo Bar, and everyone knows that, in London as well, I think. Uh, I don't think they saved it. Um, anyway, and then there was a gap. And then they, st- they, <laughs> they, they started. They didn't, no. Uh, no, they didn't, no. Um, and then they've started playing gigs again a few years later. I think I saw them last, 18, 2018. I can't visualize the band now i think julia's plays with them live but I, I can't remember off the top of my head but yeah they started playing gigs again with them but it hasn't got john chaplin basically that's the main right. thing yeah so sounds like that's um, not gonna happen no so we can fill in that soap drama that that is still not good <laughs> that's the main <laughs> thing i mean he has he has done music since but it's not mccluskey so right it's weird for some it's, it's, it's weird for someone who was in a band who then has another band to then, while he's still in his newer band, Future of the Left, who still exists, right? To then go and do reunion gigs of his previous band. That's not that normal. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like I say, they they in the I've seen them lots of times, and I think they maybe would play two or three McCluskey songs. You'd always get like say the Cocksucking Blues. You would always get. Um, hell with good intentions i'm sure that was what it was and then a couple of smashing other ones but yeah i don't know what that shift was obviously then you made some money to try and save these venues and and whatnot but it's interesting i don't really know whether the next thing will be a mccluskey album will it be a future the left album yeah that'd be interesting yeah mm-hmm. i don't know and, and with them overlapping so much now would it kind of sound the same <laughs> just what i mean yeah, so <laughs> when we did the episode what is the difference love, between we were trying to work out what was the difference between a love album and an Arthur Lee solo album, given that every love album after a certain point had different band members on it. Um, and, so, and there so have the been other... Thing. It probably means something to, to him. Like, no, I can't, I can't do this gig as Future of the Left. This is a McCluskey gig. In his head, he probably knows what that is. But essentially, if he was just to go out and do a Future of the Left gig where he only played McCluskey songs, would that... <laughs> there is songs. He can play them. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And also, if they're recording new stuff now, I mean, that's, that's the weirder part. If he records new stuff, um, what would be his delineation between the two? Oh, no, this one sounds, as you said, oh, yeah, this one sounds pure McCluskey. There is definitely, I I think there's been one demo released. It's called something something to do with houseplants. It's on the live album that they're releasing at the moment. But I think what's also interesting about the gigs, I don't know, I've got a feeling about it, but you've got that 20-year, 15, 20-year cycle for that early 2000 Brit rock thing, you know, like the, as we said, Biffy. Um, Ruben, all of that. And you had that tour a few years ago that was like Hell is for Heroes playing Neon Handshake and I think 100 Reasons played um, it, yeah, and Ideas Above Your Station wasn't it? But they've kind of gone different ways because I don't think a McCluskey do Dallas show, I mean Electric Ballroom is pretty big actually for next year, but it's a different way It's it doesn't feel to have the same nostalgia thing attached to it it's a slightly different beast maybe I'm being slightly, seeing it through rose-coloured eyes, but it just feels different to that 100 Reasons Hell for Heroes approach. This one feels different. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, obviously, it's that 20 years, and I think it's the Simon Reynolds thing. Every 20 years, you get the same thing again. So um, now is the time, maybe. Maybe McCluskey could be the biggest band in the world this time next year. Let's hope so. You heard it here, you heard it here first, lads. <laughs> That's what you heard. So. <laughs> how, how was the Hell is for Heroes show, Shereen? It was really good, although I think it was a different one that I because I've I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this, but we went to the one that was with Vex Red because I was a really big Vex Red fan. I've seen Vex Red a few times, yeah. Yeah, great. Just yeah, me great. too. Um, and it was Hell is for Heroes, Vex Red, and then unfortunately in the middle of that scenario, A played. Um, so that, wow. that happened. Which, 
But it's an interesting, that brings us quite an interesting circle because I believe the bass player from, from A is, is McFly, <laughs> not McClisky. Right. Like you and Do you know what? <laughs> I'm, glad Finally. You I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking for, to bring that back because I was going to mention that McFly do play some McBusted songs and that's maybe how we get it back. Yeah. But your Dougie reference is much better. Maybe there's a McFly, McCluskey, McBusted gig where we're going to save so many venues. <laughs> Just imagine that. I, I will yeah. work that PR Mc, campaign. McFlusted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, McFlusted. I am McFlusted about that okay. idea. We are, we are going to end on the McFlusted note because I don't think we can top that. Um, <laughs> we, we've had... We've had we've gone through well two episodes. We look we went through McCluskey, a band who I had never heard of uh, in any way, shape, or form. Future of the Left, a band who I was aware of but I didn't listen to. Um, I've enjoyed myself. There's some there's a few albums I probably wouldn't put on again, and there's a bunch of stuff that will go on to the infinite playlist of of music in my house. And 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 I warmed to his voice. It took me a few times, and I had to get drunk. But honestly, it was it was like I was walking, headphones on, walking to the bar. Ah, oh, how do you handle that? I mean, ah, oh, there's screeching. Oh, there's a, uh, and then beer, 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 beer. Walking home. Oh, this is fucking great. Who's Rick? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like having a great time. <laughs> um, so thank you ever so much, Chris, for all your hard work uh, bringing bringing us through uh, the McCluskey and Future of the Left. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Heck. Thank, uh, you. thank you very much, Cherie, for coming back. <laughs> Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, this time we'll, we won't lock, we won't lock you in. We'll let you go. I'm going to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we will see you soon at some point, um, which we will reveal in in future uh, episodes. Um, Nick T. Um, of oh, Nick Taylor, as is you are known to be called. Thank you for coming <laughs> on, and um, we will. If you're listening to this, please go and listen to my teenage band podcast um thank you because you know it's it's it's, it's good and they have better guests than us apart from this lot I'll be like, how the hell do you, what the fuck they're still in the room you and <laughs> oh, shit shit I, I thought sheree and chris had gone uh, <laughs> um, and and nick all right cheers see you next week okay thanks a lot bye cheers <laughs> um, my hangover kicked in about 10 minutes ago and i got really rambly so uh, hopefully that didn't come out Thank you for listening all the way to the end of today's episode, which concludes our time spent with Andrew Falco Falcus and his bands McCluskey and Future of the Left. I suspect he's not done with us yet, though, but if he does squeeze out another album, we'll be back with a bonus episode to make sure we're all topped up. Thank you, Chris Whitby, for guiding us through the albums, and to our other roundtable guests, writer, broadcaster and pop fan Sharia Moore, and podcaster Nick Taylor. If you haven't done so already, please check out his show My Teenage Band, which you'll find at myteenageband.com and all the other places you find podcasts. It's such a great idea for a show. Thanks also to my ever-buoyant co-host Ewan for helping me make the show, and to Jonathan Fisher for our theme music. If you enjoy temporary fandoms, please subscribe and leave us reviews and all that. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash tempfans, where a number of tiers are available ranging from simply showing us your support through to fully-fledged sponsorship. If you sign up to be a temporary fan of the show, there'll be bonus episodes and more. We're just looking to cover the costs involved in keeping the show running, but if you want to give so generously that I can recklessly quit my day job, 
that's also okay. See you all again on episode 26. I'm Nick Hilditch, and the music industry is lying to you. It's telling you that you're excited. And you are excited. <laughs>